You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Good evening, welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard Dynasty Show. I'm your host, Kev. You can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore goats i'm back the band's back together as well got two amazing calls for me tonight first off we've got matt we can follow on twitter at matt ff dynasty great to see you matt how are you yeah doing really well thanks kev uh, it's good to have you back and um yeah we've got a brilliant show coming up brilliant guest uh, we've actually had on it a few times but i've never had the privilege to to actually be on while this guest being on we've had him on for the streamathon as a guest as well on his own so for me this is like yeah, this is the one. This is the one I've been waiting for for a while, and obviously I'm a big fan of, of this guy and what he does in, in the community as a as a dynasty analyst. So, yeah, generally can't wait for this one. It's like a Christmas day in a week Absolutely. of Christmas days coming up, isn't it? Tell well? me about it. This is like, I don't know if this is actually better than what's happening next week, to be honest with me. This is this is right up there. Definitely is, mate. And we've uh, <laughs> also got an amazing, uh, our amazing co-host, Ali. You can follow on Twitter at FF Dynasty Grill. Good evening, Ali. How are you? Good evening, lads, and good afternoon to our guest. Yeah, it's yeah, really excited. I'm I'm good, thanks, Kev. Um, obviously, it is draft week, but I'm more excited to have you back with us as a trio tonight, <laughs> and for our amazing co-host. Um, our guest that we've got on tonight had a great show with him last year and um yeah can't wait to have him back on tonight yeah got to agree with that we've got some uh got some insider knowledge after the show as well then with some fantastic intel from from our guest tonight so um yeah if there's any of that going on after the show tonight we won't be sharing that because it's <laughs> very useful information but before we do get to our awesome guests that we've got tonight we've got a little announcement now we have teased it a little bit in previous shows but um, we did we did announce it a little bit earlier on this week or, or last week when it gets to this. But um, we are launching our third charity stream of on here at Fantasy Wildcard. Saturday the 20th of May, we're doing it 16 hours, 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. UK, 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. US Eastern. We, again, we're raising money for, for Mind Charity, which supports uh, people in need of mental health support. We feel that's an amazing cause. We, we all share the view that it's a great charity support our just giving page is open so please head there make a donation if you can spread the awareness something we're all really looking forward to it's a, a grueling day but it's all worth it for raising funds and awareness and the pride that we have in um, putting on these events so um, another massive announcement for us this week but enough of the massive announcements we've got a bigger one coming up right now <laughs> on today's show welcome on Dynasty contract producer at DLF, Dynasty Trading 5 and Destination Devi, the man behind Dynasty and Chill, a portfolio Dynasty guru, you'll also know him as hashtag Dynasty Leverage. We give a warm wildcard return to Scott Connor, Dynasty legend who you can follow on Twitter at Charles Chill FFB. Good afternoon, Scott. How are you? Guys, good afternoon. Good evening to you. Uh, thank you for having me back. Oh, it's good to be here. I, I do not want to sway anybody away from watching the NFL draft in lieu of watching me on a live stream. Uh, you can do that a lot. Uh, I'm in a lot of places, but still not better than the NFL draft. So if you're tuning into this and you can't make the draft and you have to pick one or the other, definitely choose the draft. I think you guys would even agree as much as you may like my content. Like even I would watch the draft over my favorite dynasty analyst, but glad to be here. You guys run a really good show. 
Uh, you have good rapport. I've listened to you guys many, many times, so I'm not just saying that. Uh, I think I'm known for uh, listening to a lot of Dynasty content. I'm famous for uh, trying to do 20 to 30 hours of content a day, consuming because I do it on 3X, and I have a desk job where I can just sit there and pound through different shows. So I've heard it all, uh, but glad to be here, excited for this show sheet that we have, and uh, really cool. You guys are doing the streamathon again. Uh, whenever you asked us, all three of us, uh, myself, Shane, and Clay, we're all happy to come on again. So excited for that, and uh, it's for a really good cause. So I, I looked into the Mind Charity last year after you guys had us on the streamathon, and uh, excited to support that again. Yeah, great words, Scott. Thanks for that. And yes, we have got an amazing show today. We have we'll be looking at completing a rookie mock draft. It's the last one for the pre um, well, pre actual NFL draft this week. So, yeah, uh, the main one before you'll be probably starting your rookie drafts like us crazy folks will be doing it maybe Monday after the draft <laughs> or maybe even soon after that. So we're going to let our guest Scott take the odd numbers and us wild cowboys will be alternating the evens. The four is standard 12-team, Superflex PPR, no Titan premium. We're going to give Scott the 101, not because we want to give him a layup, but we feel there's some interesting questions a little bit further down on the odd numbers. So... Scott, who's your 101 in this rookie draft, please? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about, is there another debate for 101 other than B. John Robinson? And I could tell you some formats that potentially you could consider a quarterback. 14, 16 team, super flex, any format where it's 2QB required. Um, myself and Ray Garvin just did a startup about six weeks ago where the top four quarterbacks had scored 650 or more points. So relative to the other positions, even so, you'd go, man, if I can hit on just a top 10 quarterback, what they're scoring relative to everybody else is a massive advantage. And it was a point per completion, point per carry, a bunch of bonuses. So the delta between the high-end QB1s and even the, the QB2s was pretty high. So in that type of format, maybe you could justify it. But I do think in most other formats, it's Bijan 101. We're not talking about trading here. I know myself and Trades in 5 have done a lot of content on is your team ready for Bijan Robinson? Uh, especially here, we didn't really decipher how many starters we're talking here. But if you're in a league with 10 or more starters, 11 or more starters, you probably have to consider maybe packaging Bijan for multiple pieces now if it's a shallow league even if you have a bad team if you guys are in a start eight or a start nine it's hard to turn down the elite player regardless of where your team is so without any of that context we don't know what this roster looks like i think you got to go Bijan 101 yeah i think it's it's the consensus pick it's the right pick especially in this this format where we uh didn't name how many stars there were, but you 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 filled it in really really well there. I think um, yeah, we're, we're all in agreement. It's Bijan at one hundred and one in um, most of the formats we play in um, regularly. So yeah, he's he's just such a such a safe prospect, which is weird with him being a running back. But just look at where he's going in startups. Um, he's going in round one of your your stats, including your veterans. So yeah, there's going to be pivot opportunities, even if you you might not be ready, and you've got to make that pick. Like you've got trades. Trades down, you've got trades for other pieces, but if you can't do that, take him. Uh, and then you've, you've still got the opportunity to trade him um, in the future as well. So, yeah, you've you've smashed 101. We knew you would. And now we're going to move on to the 102 and over to you, Max Make, this selection. 
I know, yeah, we've given Scott the layup, so I'll I'll take the tough decision and, and pick it at the one hundred two because this is really a, a tough one for me. And I think for a lot of people, I think it obviously being super flex where you've got to look at quarterback here. And for me personally, I've got all the top three quarterbacks in the same tier. I'm finding it really hard to to distinguish who I've got as my my one, my two, and my three. Um, but I'm leaning towards CJ Stroud as, as my number one pick um, out of the quarterback. So, so I'll take CJ Stroud at the 102. I think if we're talking about what he's done in college, obviously we know he played for Ohio State. We know that people get a little a little world when you say that quarterback coming from Ohio State and what they do in the NFL. But I think what we've seen from him, super accurate quarterback. I think it's going to translate really well when he comes in to the NFL. I mean, you know, I know he's been surrounded by some elite talent, the wide receivers there that he's, he's played with. We've seen what guys like Alave and, and Wilson have done when they come into the NFL. We've got JSN coming in this year. Um, but I'm really convinced that in terms of what he can do in the NFL, I think for me it's the most safest quarterback in terms of what he can do in the NFL. I think he's the one that if I was putting money on being the longest starter, the guy that's going to be around in the NFL for the longest, I feel like CJ Stroud is that that safer pick. And a little bit like Scott mentioned at the start about you can look at different ways of taking the 101 depending on format. I kind of think that could be similar to how you value the quarterbacks as well in, in your rookie drafts. If you're, if you're maybe in a position where you can take a little more risk, then yeah, you could shoot for the upside for, for a Richardson. And we know the ceiling that, that he's got. Um, and if you're looking at one way, it's a start to QB leagues, maybe go for that little safer option. As I say, I think CJ Stroud is that safest option. But um, yeah, I think that the really interesting thing at the moment with CJ Stroud is these kind of rumors that he could be slipping a little bit in the NFL draft. And I think obviously it was being touted as the, the 101 in the NFL draft going to the Panthers. Um, and now in recent weeks, it looks like Young's locked into being that that Panthers pick and it doesn't even look like being number two. I think currently looking at the, the betting odds, I think Will Levis is down as being the second overall pick in the NFL draft. So it's really interesting for me to see CJ Strauss slide um, in terms of the betting odds and, and the fact that it could slide in the NFL draft. But maybe does that often maybe a little hope for CJ Strauss? Does he maybe land in a little bit better situation than the Panthers or, or the Texans? So Scott, my question to you is basically, are you worried about CJ Strauss maybe sliding a little bit in the NFL draft and where would you maybe like to see him go? Do you think maybe he does still stick at the 102 and the team trades up and, and takes him? Just share what's your feelings on Stroud and his, his buzz at the minute in the NFL draft. Well, I think he hit the nail on the head by saying that all these quarterbacks are really close together. Uh, a month ago, I think everyone had CJ Stroud clearly as their QB one, if they had to pick in February or March, because uh, he was the favorite to go 101. Uh, that was the guy everyone thought the Panthers were locking in onto. Yep. And then it's slowly that narrative has changed. I, I understand the hesitance of scouting the helmet, being Ohio State quarterback, the recent stuff with this S2 test being, you know, he's the one guy that really is going to struggle to perform some of the things that you would see in the elite NFL quarterbacks. And the caveat to that, I've, I've tried to do a little research on exactly what that means. Uh, the first thing is nobody's really been able to verify these numbers. Uh, this the dirty truth on this S2 cognition test is not every team has access to it. Not every player is taking the test. And then also most of the scores are unverified because the player has to give permission to actually share the results. So you see people tweeting out there, well, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy all scored at 90 percentile or higher. But a lot of those aren't confirmed. They're just coming from an agent or somebody that may know secondhand how the player did. So I do think we're jumping to conclusions when they say, None of the elite quarterbacks in the league, at least that, that's what I've heard with Stroud, is well, none of the top 10 quarterbacks have scored outside of this number, and Stroud is outside this number. So two and two together, he can't be an elite quarterback. Like I think we're jumping to conclusions on that. 
But if you told me there's more risk of guys falling, he's probably the one. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he fell outside of the top five. Top 10, I think, would be stretching it. But again, it's a, they're all very close together. So if I had to rank them, I'd probably put Stroud at three, and I think keep trade cut even reflects that. They've moved him well behind Bryce Young. He's at QB 12, Bryce Young's QB 9. So a month ago, that was flipped. So I can't justify the logic of taking uh, Bryce Young over CJ Stroud. Yeah, you've uh, you, you, we'll see. See if Max made it easier or harder for you on the on the <laughs> selection. But um, yeah, without further ado, we've got you, yourself, Scott, at the one hundred three, and tell us who you're taking. Yeah, well, I kind of led into this debate, and I put myself into a trap. I was figuring you would take Bryce Young or Anthony. <laughs> which would give me the way this is working is I'm getting every other pick. So I'm figuring, all right, I'm going to get one of the two uh, and it's not going to be CJ Stroud, but no, I have to pick between the two, man. I do think there is some team dependent context here with this pick. I think if you're sitting on a quarterback room where, you know, maybe you have a Dak Prescott and a Kirk cousins, probably good enough to win, but you're also probably looking at a way where I can get access to a higher end quarterback. Because one thing we haven't talked about, we didn't talk about this with Bijan. But if you have a Kirk Cousins and a future first, let's say you're willing to trade those two pieces together. That really doesn't move the needle when you're going to try to get an elite quarterback, does it? The person doesn't look at that as a viable package that they're willing to consider. But if you have the 102 or the 103, they're looking at that as something they would consider. And it's the same with Bijan. Like Unless you can move Bijan in a deal where you tear up it's really hard to move the pick. But when I say, you know, Ali, what does it take to tear up from Bijan? There's maybe 10 to 12 players in the whole league that you say is a tear up. Yeah. So it's really hard to find trades that actually work unless you're going backwards. So to my point with Bryce Young, he's QB nine on keep trade cut. He is probably the pick here just based on market value. But if I asked all three of you, can you see a world wherein, let's say Bryce Young is everything they say he is. They say he's the next Joe Burrow, but he's smaller, right? I've heard that comparison numerous times. Do you see a world where he is just flat out better than Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, or Justin Herbert? It's, that's tough to see, isn't it? Yeah. To the point where even if he's just as good as those guys, doesn't it feel like the community will always take those guys over him because he's smaller, because he's a little more slight? So it feels like he's kind of at his dynasty ceiling here around QB9. Like, you hope he is just QB9, and that's what he is for his career. Maybe he goes up a spot or two, but it feels like he's capped out. So I do think if you are shooting for the stars and you're shooting for the guy you can flip for two-plus first, easy, or you can move around and you can go from this player up to Jalen Hurts by just adding a first or something, it's probably Anthony Richardson. That's the shot that you take if you're shooting for the massive ceiling. So I'm going to live a little dangerously. I'm going to skip over Bryce Young, take all the risk, go Anthony Richardson, because I'm probably sitting on a QB room like Dak and Kirk Cousins, and I don't want to draft myself another Dak Prescott. Nice. I mean, that's legendary. I, I thought you picked Yuck, like, and then, <laughs> woof, curveball at the end. <laughs> Richardson, my QB one. That's all I'm going to say. Um I can definitely see um, the the range of outcomes you've mentioned. So, yeah, I don't think he's as risky as people think either. The fact that when he hits the field, he's going to have a higher floor than any QB in this class. So, I love that pick. Um, it would have been my pick if, if I was you as well. So, we'll move to Ali at the 105. It's kind of a bit of a late for you, Ali, is it not? Well, I kind of feel like 
Scott's crapped all over my pick here, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, the The number 104 position is the favourite spot in the draft for me because you're going to get one of these three quarterbacks that is going to fall. Well, the 102 that Matt had is the most difficult pick, unless you've got one of the, one of the quarterbacks ahead of the other two. But for me, and like so many people, they're all in the same tier, so I could take any one of these three guys. And it's it's exactly it's, it's team dependent, it's roster dependent, how you built your roster up. So yeah, we'll be taking Bryce Young with the the 104. And I think Scott's exactly right in his ceiling seems to be what quarterback nine, possibly quarterback eight seven at a real push if he has a really good year hits it off in in year one but there's not much ceiling there but think at the 104 if you're telling me i'm going to get the ninth tenth best quarterback in the nfl in terms of fantasy i'm happy with that at the 104 really happy with that because how many years past are you picking at 104 and you're going to get a top 10 quarterback it usually happens at the one or the two spot but to get it at pick four is a, is a slam dunk i think it's a really safe pick um obviously there was question marks on Bryce Young's size. You don't want him taking taking big shots. Um, it seems like the Carolina Panthers have gone all out for, for Bryce Young. They've obviously traded a lot away to get the, the number one pick. Um, seems like Bryce Young is their guy. Um, you love that if you, you're the fourth the fourth pick in the draft and you're getting the, the number one pick in the NFL draft. That that feels really good. I think it's a safe prospect. So it's a no-brain, like you say. So it is a layup. Um, there's not too much concerns from me for for Bryce Young. Um, yeah, Scott, would you be picking Bryce Young here at the 104? Because there's a lot of debate on Twitter. I've seen a lot of uh, rookie mocks where JSN gets picked ahead of the fourth quarterback here. Um, would you be reaching for wide receiver or would you be going for that third quarterback here? I would take the quarterback, but I'm going to ask Kev this because he seemed to be of the three of you when we discussed these quarterbacks. He seemed to be the one that maybe a little more on really like Richardson over the other two. Mm. So if you're at the 102, what is the least you're willing to accept to go back to the 104? If someone offers you, let's say we're in like a league where it's a little bit deeper, maybe it's 11 starters. Someone offers you the 301 to go back two spots. Do you give up your choice of quarterbacks for what is effectively maybe your last flex spot? That type of value. Because it's easy to say, oh, this is a, a, a tier of two through four, which means none of us three, if we all think about where we technically have these picks, none of us should be picking at the 102. We should just take whatever we can get at the 104. But reality is people don't do that. They get in the draft and they go, oh, I know that Anthony Richardson's going to be better than everybody else. I cannot pass him up. You're only offering me a third. Kev, come on. I'm not taking a third. I need at least a second. What would you? What's the least you would take? And I know I'm putting on the spot if you're in any leagues in this situation, but truly, what's the least you would take? Just to move back in your tier, you know you get a quarterback, but putting your feet to the fire, what do you say? I mean, obviously, I think a third does nothing to move the needle. That's such a dark. I think it'd have to be a mid to high second just to have the choice because even though Richardson's my QB1, There'll be certain spots where I might want to go a different direction. Let's say I've got, I don't know, a lot of risk. Let's say I've got a Trey Lance and a Kyler Murray. I might want to just play it a little bit safer or, or some sort of back roster construction, play it a little bit safer, maybe take a, a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud. Plus, I've got to think, I don't want 100% Anthony Richardson. Do I? He's a bit of a, 
a bit of a risk. Right. You can't take, you've got to diversify. You can't take the same guy in every draft, I don't think. I like it. Either of you, Matt or Ali, differ on that? Would you take that 301? Is that enough? I mean, I'm just listening because I'm in a league with Kev. I've got the 102, and I think there's potential that I could maybe get a little out of Kev to move up and get Richardson in town. Maybe I should be touting Richardson and saying that, yeah, he's my guy, and I could get a little bit more out of Kev. But I think Kev's spot on, like you mentioned, that I think a lot depends on your, your roster. I think we mentioned it we had the pick, haven't we, when it comes to quarterback. Your, your roster situation is is a key part of how you're going to rank these quarterbacks. So, um, yeah, I'm probably with him. Like Maybe the least is a mid-second, I think, but... Even still, that is a potential dart throw. You may be looking at the the wide receivers at that spot, and we obviously don't know how it's going to play out in the NFL draft. But if we're looking at a guy that maybe is a late round two, or early round three wide receiver, then there's risk there. So um, you're potentially getting nothing and missing out on on the guy that you want. So yeah, I think mid second is probably the the least I'm willing to to go for. So on the flip side, Kev. What would you pay to move up? <laughs> what would you pay to move up from the 104 to the 102 if people were offering it up? Yeah, come on, Kev, what are you offering? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's obviously going to be less than mid-second, isn't it? <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> you're probably not rushing to send that 206 to move up when you're at the 104, right? I think, yeah, late second, 301. Yeah, I'd definitely do that, Ali. <laughs> Don't tell Matt. <laughs> we we found the margins here of the 301 sounds great when you get to move up for the 301, but when that's all you're getting, no, nah, that yeah. doesn't move the needle. So it's it's an interesting exercise because we do this a lot where people will talk a big game about, oh, yeah, I, I would take this. And then when they're really on the clock to make the decision, they tell everyone else to do it, but then they can't do it. <laughs> I, I, I got there's a little ego in Dynasty where – you're going to cake your guy in a lot of circumstances. So an interesting exercise, because I do think if you truly are agnostic to these three quarterbacks, you should never pick at the 102. You should always pick at the 104 and just take whatever you can get. Yeah. Okay, so um, we've, we've got through the first fall, which in my eyes well is going to be the first fall, but when it comes to the 105 now, we've got to make the, the first major decision of our rookie draft and who you're taking, Scott, out of, uh, out of these two potentially. Yeah, I think for us four, it's probably uh, pretty clear that that's going to be the first four, but I've already seen quite a few rookie drafts where someone doesn't like Bryce Young because he's too small. They don't like Anthony Richardson because he has such bad peripheral numbers. They don't like CJ Stroud because of a lot of the stuff we already talked about. And I have seen people say, I'm just going to take JSN because it's a safe player according to you know whatever they want to justify that being, draft capital, profile, whatever. Uh, and I do see their argument. You know, he's already, I think, wide receiver 13 on keep trade cut. And to be fair, this is a very, very wide receiver friendly dynasty market right now to where if you draft him, you probably can't move the pick for any more than what you can move him. As long as he's not just an absolute flame out pick, uh, there's a really good chance you're drafting a stable asset. Whether you debate his ceiling is super high or not. Uh, you know, you have some people out there. Uh, Scott Barrett on Twitter says he's the second best receiver prospect in the last 10 years. So he's saying he's already a Chase Jefferson tier. Um, I don't know if I put him up there right away, but with people out there like that and this being a wide receiver market, I mean, you guys know, look what Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are being sought after. People love those guys. So if I'm drafting myself another profile like that, I know I have a year of a really high-end asset that 
very good chance there's multiple people in my league that will want that asset over the next year, year and a half period. So if that's your consolation prize, I think it's a pretty clear pick at 105, and a lot of people will take that before a quarterback just because they're a little scared of whatever of the three quarterbacks are in this year's class. Yeah, I think um, it's an interesting one, Jason. I think he's in a clear tier of his own, uh, but I, I do think if he had a if he didn't play at Ohio State, I think there'd be less buzz about him just based on people thinking he's on that same trajectory already. He's there. He's going to be there with Harvey and Wilson. Strong chance he will be, but yeah, I think if he had a, a bulldog on that helmet or something like that, maybe maybe there'd be a little more, more pause. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll move on to me at the 106 makes my decision nice and easy. I don't know who did the show sheet, but I got, I got left for the 106, which is the end of a tier in my eyes. So um, Jameer Gibbs, I think um, if I had the 105, I would have took JSN. So absolutely with you there on that. I think Gibbs, there's a great track record for this year top. I think it's top 50 running back in Dynasty. You, you end up keeping your value for a season. Um, we look at great running backs last season. Reese all got injured, kept his value. Javante Williams has kept his value somehow, despite being not terrible, but pretty bad. So I think there is some insulation there for a year. The only problem we've got with running back is there's less people who want to buy a running back than, than a wide receiver. So I think it's fair where he goes at 106, but I do love his receiving ability. I love his explosiveness. He's not going to need 20 touches a game to, to hit that output. We're just looking for a really nice landing spot for him. Um, whichever team he goes to, it's going to be a split backfield. No doubt about that. I think best case scenario, maybe, and this might not sound a great best case, but someone like Aaron Jones, um, could he be better than Swift, at, Swift has been? You'd like to think so, but Swift's still an interesting guy as well. So, so yeah, I just want to know what your, what your thoughts are, Scott, on uh, landing spot with, with Jameer Games. I know we did a show um, last week, was it, where it was mentioned to the, the Chiefs, Chiefs by by your good friend John Bauer. So, yeah, if you could sort of drop him into a team a situation to to really maximise his dance value, is a, a spot for you, Scott, that you'd be um, praying for on draft night. Yeah, Kev, you actually hit the the comparison. I think great with uh, with Gibbs is DeAndre Swift because even you look at DeAndre Swift, he's still averaged like thirteen opportunities a game for his career, but he's like fifth in the current NFL. This is historically, so this counts guys that are past their prime too, including you know Kamara, Zeke Elliott. He's still fifth amongst all players in the league in terms of points per opportunity. So he's efficient. I just think we suffer from like overcorrection fatigue on a guy like Swift because he doesn't become Christian McCaffrey. He's bad. But the reality is he's still a pretty good investment if you can pay a late first to get him because you kind of know what you're getting. You're getting a guy that even if he only gets 12 to 15 opportunities, targets, rush attempts, like he's going to give you decent numbers. Chance at RB1 numbers just because of the way he plays. So I think that's the reason for taking Gibbs with this pick. I don't think this pick has a lot of steam in terms of what you can trade it for. Listen, I'm a Cincinnati fan. I think people would absolutely love that landing spot too because you have Joe Mixon had 60 catches last year. But imagine a guy with Joe Burrow that actually is good when he catches the ball and not just catches a ball and goes down like Mixon. So I think that any of those landing spots in the late first on good offenses is what you're going to want for Jameer Gibbs. I, I don't care about 
the players in the backfield already there. People are going to look at a landing spot with another running back. Let's say he went to Houston in the early second. People would not like that. But I think he carves out the same type of role anywhere he goes, really. So what I what I think I need with Swift is he or with uh, Gibbs, he needs to be on a good team. That's it. I don't care about how many touches he's going to get. Give me twelve to fifteen opportunities a game. I need a good offense, though. Put him on a bad offense. That's where you start getting into the Swift conundrum from last year when the Lions weren't good. You, all you're hoping for Swift is how he gets all the touches. But I don't care about that. I want an efficient offense that runs a lot of plays, scores a lot of points. The running back will just tag along with that. That's how I, I see Gibbs. So. KC or Cincinnati would be here's the question. If he goes to either one of those two spots, he's he's in the mix with the quarterbacks, isn't he? For some people, for sure. Yeah. I think we mentioned it last week, didn't we, when we had John on. I think KC is that that dream landing spot for me with Mahomes and and I mentioned about how he's targeting the running backs when he gets to the red zone. I think that could be incredible. And I think I think you could argue he could be right up there with Bijan in terms of what he could be perceived as in, in Dynasty and his his value. When you've got a pass-catching running back like that in an elite offense, like you mentioned, that, that's going to see plenty of opportunities, plenty of goal line um, throws and, and opportunities, as I said, in, in terms of carrying the ball as well. I think, yeah, I think he could be right up there in terms of, of running backs. And we see it with people like Eckler and, and CMC and, and their value in Dynasty. So, yeah, I mean, if he lands in either of those situations... I think yeah, I think you could take him over a quarterback quite easily if you're if you're in a position where you don't really need to reach for quarterback. I'm, I'm fine going for Gibbs. Which means he will go somewhere that everyone hates. He'll go to exactly. Tampa, <laughs> it's too go good to, to be like, true. <laughs> he's going to go to uh, Tampa Bay or something like that, and then yeah. you know. But I, I think ultimately, good quarterbacks, good efficient quarterbacks, throw the ball to the guys that deserve the ball. And if he's as good as you're saying he is, then wherever he goes, an efficient offense is going to benefit him for fantasy. Indeed. We just want to give a quick disclaimer that Jameer Gibbs is not quite a He's a far better <laughs> prospect. If that happens in Casey and just rise on draft boards, it's, it is a little bit of an injury reaction, but not too much, not like CH. So we're going to come back to you, Scott, for the 107. Really intrigued to see what this pick is. Who we got? Uh, this is a pretty p easy pick for me. may not be popular, uh, but I do think you got to take Will Levis here with 107. I think people are getting a little too arrogant in terms of just knowing exactly what he is and that he's a surefire bust. The one negative about drafting Will Levis here is there's a very good chance that 75% of the people in my league do not like him and are you know, laugh emoji in the chat that I just drafted Will <laughs> Levis and they're so glad that I took him and they don't have to take him at 108 or 109 or 110. So that is the one negative. Uh, that's been the negative about him all year is you're not drafting a player that has a lot of flexibility. You're probably stuck holding him. Uh, you're going to have to wait off the obvious struggles that are going to happen for a rookie quarterback that goes potentially to the Houston Texans who have been a bad team for a long time. So I mean, really, what is your out with Will Levis other than you need to call ride it out for a year or two and you have to hope that he's a competent quarterback. I do think a lot of the stuff people say about if he does put it together, his upside is probably higher than a guy like CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, but it's a maybe 10% chance of getting there versus those guys are probably a little bit safer, but I still think you got to take the shot. I mean, he's very similar to Daniel Jones. If you guys remember when Daniel Jones came into the NFL, 
it was a big mistake that he ever went in the top 10. <laughs> he went to the Giants. People didn't really realize, okay, this guy has a pretty good arm. He's pretty accurate. He ha he can run. It was just like, a, he's terrible. We've already decided he's terrible. And it took three years for him to get past that. But here he is. So I could see that being a path for Levis. So this is not an investment pick. This is a be happy you got this type of profile at 107 pick if you need it. Uh, but just just understand what you're drafting. The, the only time I wouldn't take this selection would be if I'm already really deep at quarterback, I could justify trading back for a very minimal amount because there's a very good chance I move back to 108 for that, what, third-round pick that doesn't mean anything, and guess who I get at 108? Will Levis. Because the person goes, I don't like Will Levis. Like, you can probably ask them directly, do you like Will Levis? No. He's terrible. Okay, well, then I, I'll take a third to move back. So just caution to the wind, but I do think it's a pretty good spot to take him here. Yeah, I'm getting cold sweats and flashbacks to Kenny Pickett where I made him like a sort of a process pick last year thinking I'll be able to get out on him in, in some leagues and I've not been able to yet. Like, um, even though his values has gone up pretty, pretty well better than I expected from what he's, out, what he's performed. Yeah, holding the bag on a lot of Pickett, but maybe the Arn Robin sign will be the catalyst to boost his, uh, boost his profile. Um, well, Kev, not. could... Would you get out of Kenny Pickett right now for Will Levis? It's a chance to re-roll, I guess. Yeah, I, I, prob I probably would, even though I don't like uh, Levis as a prospect. I think he's a worse, worse prospect than Kenny Pickett, who was a bad pros uh, prospect in my in my eyes. I think it's a chance to get out, and maybe Levis has got a little bit more in the in the in the profile. But from what I've seen on Pickett, it's not there. So um, yeah, I, I would made that move interesting right matt 108 interesting pick you've got your the rod is open for you who are you taking matt yeah onto me um again an interesting situation because for me this is kind of where i'm looking at the two wide receivers that, that i'm pretty high on in in this class and that's jordan addison and and quentin johnson and i think i'm going to take the more i'm going to say safer but i think that the ceiling could potentially be there with with the jordan addison i think what we, we've seen from him in, in his college career, he basically made like we just talked about Kenny Pickett. I think he made him go from that quarterback that nobody was really into and he kind of elevated him that year for, for his, his final year in, in college and, and made him into that, that first round draft pick quarterback. So what he's managed to do there and then obviously transferring over didn't quite have the elite season that, that maybe he had the, the year before at Pittsburgh, but I still think last season was a really strong finish to his his college career i think that the only knock that i'm really seeing is maybe the the speed people thought but you kind of need this this little more speed from from addison but like i said i think what i've seen from him in college and the production he's shown in college i'm happy to take the wide receiver i'm not really looking at, at running backs just yet i think for me that there's the two top running backs and then it's kind of a a bigger gap between those guys so i'm rather targeting the, the wide receivers uh, and as I say, I think Addison, he, he feels like a real safe pick to me, somebody that I feel like is guaranteed to, to go in that, that first round of the NFL draft, probably around the middle section. So a potential landing spot could be one of these top teams. We mentioned it with someone like Gibbs. That it's kind of a, a negative, you think, if these guys are sliding the first round, but every time they slide, they kind of go into a little bit better offense and, and a potential better situation at where they're going to land. And um, yeah, I just think Jordan Addison is going to be a great pick. Um, I think last week again when we had John on he, he mentioned Addison and landing with the Vikings and again I think that is a brilliant landing spot for Addison where it's not got to be that that number one wide receiver there but with Justin Jefferson um in with the Vikings 
he's not getting all that attention. And I think that's going to be great for somebody like Addison, slot him being that wide receiver too. And I think you're going to get that discount on a wide receiver two on an offense. But I think he's got the potential to to be one of the better wide receiver twos in, in the NFL. So, Scott, my question to you is basically on, I think with the wide receivers, I feel like obviously everyone's mentioned that JSN's that that tier one wide receiver. There's nobody really in his tier, but does Addison get close to JSN for you? Is he your wide receiver two or, or in that second tier at least? And is there a situation again that you'd like to see Addison land to really maximize his dynasty value? Yeah, I mean, I would pick him at cube wide receiver too. Uh, if I had to tier these players right now without knowing their landing spots, I don't think we really care much about their draft capital as long as it's within a certain range. Whether you go pick 19 or 27 or 34, it really isn't that different historically. The landing spot matters probably a little bit more for the market adjustment on the players. Like obviously there's a lot of places in the – the 20s and late 20s where if a receiver goes there it's going to be a conundrum for the community to go man i really don't like quentin quentin johnston but he got drafted by the bills so i have to put him in a certain spot which can be a little dangerous because we see that where you think a receiver is going to be a certain thing and then you know you bump them up because of the landing spot and then you wish you wouldn't have done that because the situations can can change pretty quickly so i would definitely take addison though at wide receiver too i'm curious though i'm going to ask either Kev or uh, or Ali, this question. Uh, there is a receiver right now in Dynasty that is a top 10 Dynasty receiver, and he is 5'10", 175 pounds. And I've never heard one person ever mention a thing about his size. Any idea who I'm referring to? And it's a player you tell people who it is, they go, that guy's a stud. Absolutely Super. awesome. Top 10 receiver in Dynasty. Some people have him in the top five. Cooper Cup. Any guesses? Nope, he's bigger than that. He's been drafted. He's came in the league in the last three years. I'm on so it's not Amon Raw. It's a pretty good guess. Close. Has a better receiver than him on his own team. But he's a top mm. eight dynasty. <laughs> nope. Higher than Devontae Smith. Yeah. Devontae Smith had his own size concerns, but there's a guy that Oh, Jalen Waddle. He is 5'10", 175 pounds. I've never heard one person ever talk about how small he is. But yeah, you look at that and you go, wow, you know, he's actually pretty small. And if that is the only reason we are not drafting these receivers where they are, I maybe we're a little undervaluing this receiver class because all we hear about how is it's not that good. It's not as good as last year. It's not as good as 2021. It's not as good as 2020. We'll see how draft capital goes, but I, I'm not scared of receivers right now that are small because uh, I was just looking at DLF's ADP. Uh, 22 of the top 60 receivers right now are either 5'10 or under or 190 pounds or under. So it's becoming a small man's position. Like You don't have to be Quentin Johnston size to be good. Now, are you going to be the best receiver in the league? No, but are, are any of you expecting the best receiver in the league when you're drafting at 108 to 110? Probably not. So I, I think these guys are actually a little undervalued. And maybe you're not going to hit on all of them, but I think it's a good pick. That's what I would do at 108. And I'll take Zay Flowers at 109 just to get it out of the way because I think they're all in the same tier. For the same reasons, I would take Jordan Addison at 108. I think they're back-to-back. I think he's going to be a first-round pick. Not scared of re-rolling, especially if I can dump somebody like George Pickens, 
Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks. I don't have a problem re-rolling for one of these guys. I think you're essentially doing the same thing. Yeah, I didn't. First of all, I didn't realize Jalen Waddle was that small. Cause like you say, no one speaks about it. Yeah, he's a he's a duckling, isn't he? With his so, um, yeah, I, I guess my train of thought was, I wonder if he's going to go Zay Jones here after the the um, the, the rant on small receiver and um, not Zay Jones, Zay Flowers. <laughs> he's going to be better than Zay Jones. Um, but yeah, that's that's answered that question. Um, so yeah, we're going to move to Ali at the one ten. Who's your pick, Ali? Feeling the heat. <laughs> I can't believe I've just got sniped in the fake mock that we're doing right now. But <laughs> Zay Flowers was definitely my guy, just because I think he's an absolute lock to go first round of the NFL draft right now. Um, I'm going to change tack and move move position. I'm going to go back to the the running back pool right now. And it's going to be going to be for my my running back three Zach Charbonnet. I was tempted to go really spicy and go for the fifth quarterback that possibly could end up here if he gets first round draft capital, but that's that's not going to happen in this wow. mock. So I'm going for Zach Charbonnet from UCLA, a guy who's got prototypical, really good size and and weight, um, just a really good profile, really good all round profile. He's really been productive over the last two years. One of the most productive running backs in college. Yep, well built. He's, he catches passes. Decent part, um, blocker. I think he has a chance to be a three down back in the NFL. Um, if he finds the right spot, I think he's going to get top 50 draft capital or at least go in the second round of the, the NFL draft. Just think it's a safe safe prospect right now and someone that has the ability to, to have a little... Um, like shocking a rise in value if if he is a starter on an nfl team if he lands in a really good spot say miami dolphins they've got the two older running backs there but charbonnet for me would be would be a really exciting prospect on on the miami dolphins there's quite a few good landing spots for for these running backs um yeah it's a safe prospect i think he will be the start within within the year um and yeah i think he's a safe pick at 110 but it would have been quentin johnson this pick a few weeks ago, I've just just fallen on him now. I think he's it's a tier below the two wide receivers that were just taken. So I would be going for Zach Charbonnet or that fifth quarterback, Hendon Hooker, right now. But Charbonnet's my pick. Um, so, so, Scott, are you high on Zach Charbonnet? Is he, is he your runner back three after the two that we spoke about? Yeah, I would say if I had to pick a running back, it would be him. I do feel uncomfortable picking a running back in this spot, though, because there is a shot that the running back three comes off the board, and it's not Zach Charbonnet. Mm -hmm. It might be one of these specialists like Devon A-Chain or Tajay Spears or someone like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean we go, well, those guys got better draft capital than Zach Charbonnet, so let's just make them the RB3. I still think you have to extrapolate a little bit. What is the community going to do? Even if Zach Charbonnet falls to the middle of the third round. I, I'm in the opinion that there's going to be a lot of running backs drafted between like early round three to early round five. So a, a span of maybe 80 picks or so, it's going to be a lot of running backs, a dozen of them. Mm -hmm. And I don't think from NFL purposes, the teams necessarily view those guys all that differently. You don't wait till the third round to draft a running back because you think he's the best running back in the draft. A lot of times it's who is picking there. What type of running back do they need? And, you know, what type of scheme fit they might have. So it isn't like you can go, well, Zach Charbonnet went in middle of round three. 
this guy win in the middle of round four. Zach Charbonnet is clearly better. But I do agree with you, Ali, that he is the guy where if he lands, even if he goes round three, you said round two, possible. But even if he goes round three, but it's a great spot, because of his profile, his size, his speed, everything combined, he is the guy you could see people going, oh, man, we need to push him up. He is the Javante Williams from a couple years ago. He's not going to get that capital, I don't think. But I can see people going, man, he's a three-down bell cow running back. Wow, he landed in Dallas. He landed in Cincinnati. He landed in Miami. Let, let's put him – we would need to boop, bump him way up. I don't think that exists with some of the other running backs regardless of where they get drafted. They're going to be pigeonholed into they're good. I like the spot, but they're a 60-40 committee running back somewhere. So I think he's the correct pick. If you're looking for multiple outs to hit a home run with a running back here, it's him. But I would not be shocked if we look back on this show in two years and we go there were four running backs drafted in the mid to late second that were better than Zach Charbonnet. That would not shock me just because there's so many good, intriguing profiles here that kind of feels like if all you need is a placeholder running back, I don't want to pick at 110. Give me two shots at 204 and 207. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have that than having to choose this early. Uh, but I think if you have to pick, he's the correct pick. I, I agree with you. Yeah, love Charbonnet. I think us people in Yorkshire will struggle to say Charbonnet. I think it'll probably come out as Carbonnet. And... Um... <laughs> Being honest, <laughs> if he lands in Dallas or, or Cincinnati, I'll be on it like a car bonnet. So, with um, <laughs> moving on. Scott, we've got your final pick. It's come around so fast. 111. Who are you taking? Man, I'm tempted to take Hendon Hooker here. Allie planted that seed in my mind. Because I do think where we're at at the quarterback landscape. Doesn't it feel like it's the haves and have-nots at quarterback right now? And mm -hmm. if you don't have one of the haves, you almost are trying to get the cheapest have-not you can. And mm -hmm. it feels like a late first, early second in a lot of leagues doesn't buy you a quarterback when you go try to buy it one for one. If you try to send the the 111 for the, or the 112 to get the Russell Wilson or someone like that, Rarely do you get that trade done because the person says, well, I, now I need a quarterback. Mm -hmm. So it does feel like this is the appropriate spot to take one. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. <laughs> I'm going to have to take Quentin Johnston, but I can see leagues where there's a quarterback needy team that's here in this range that just says top 40 pick Hendon Hooker. I don't care where he lands. I'm expecting really not much from his first year. I'm okay. I'm okay waiting. And we've seen, to be fair, guys, we've seen quarterbacks that don't play actually go up in value because they haven't sucked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it's almost like if he lands in a place like a Seattle or someone like that, people will like him, but they won't like him any less in one year versus, man, if he goes somewhere, aren't you guys scared? Ali, would you be scared if Hendon Hooker went somewhere and all of a sudden they say, oh, he's ready to play, and then he's out there early on? And then he looks bad. He feels like the prospect that if he looks bad, he's done for. So it's almost mm -hmm. like you, you kind of want him not to play and be able to hold on to this asset that maintains its value. Maybe during the season, if you really didn't love him, you can reroll him for a player that helps you contend. Like you're, you're not completely, your cover isn't blown right away. Like it will be with Will Levis. Will Levis plays, throws three interceptions in his first game. People are going to be going Zach Wilson 2.0, <laughs> sell him for any second. 
So it feels like Hendon Hooker's actually got a little upside to pick here, but uh, I'll take Quentin Johnston because I still think he gets top 40 draft capital. And, you know, that that's a safer asset, I think. He's on a sniping run, he's Scott at the moment. Like, <laughs> King Johnson's going to make it to me, but I think, um, yeah, he's, he's my wide receiver too. I, I think I like to play a little bit for, for upside. And, um, yeah, I think the wide receivers in this range, sort of 1-7 to, to one twelve. I think, depending on your league, league um, roster construction, the wide receivers you've got, you could potentially take different ones to match. Um, with your, your roster from the upside, Johnston, it might be that you take one of these wide receivers over another to, to get the stack in it potentially as well. So it, I think it will be really fluid on draft day, be really interesting to see. So got me at the 112, being honest, it's a horrible spot. I've got a, a tier stopping at 11, so I'm tempted to go in and hook, but <laughs> I guess I'd be open if I've got the 112. Um, I've won the ship and I've traded it away. But... Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go for Devin A-Chain, um, just a guy that I think he's, he's a lot closer to Jimmy Gibbs than he's been given credit for. I think a lot will depend on draft capital. I do want to see him in round two, at the bottom of round two. I think there is a chance, like you said, Scott, the running back three off the board. I think it, I think it will be a shock. I think it could be someone like a, a big or Roshan Johnson, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think it could be A-Chain. I like the fact that he's explosive. Um, all the things said about Gibbs, uh, just on a, a lower level. I like the fact that he's had the workload in some games in college and put up big numbers. He's looked pretty decent in between the tackles, in patches. I think in a best case scenario, and this is me living in fantasy land, but Chris Johnson would be would be amazing. But even at a light version, that would be would be awesome as well. I think you are running a risk because. Like, say, take a running back, you're not going to have many sewers to, to buy him if he doesn't hit. But, but yeah, A-Chain, get him on the Broncos, maybe. We'll have to see. Um, in terms of A-Chain for you, Scott, where does he sit in in your dynasty rankings? Is he it, is it the fourth running back on your board, or is it, others, or is it just fluid all the time, depending on your, your league structure? Man, he's one of the tougher prospects to, to gauge that we've seen come in, because... There's no comparisons for him really to look back and say they were successful, not just production wise, but there's a narrative that's already built into what he is to where it feels like there's not really an investment value here either. Even if he gets really high draft capital, you're almost sitting here saying, okay, if I'm going to take him 112, you need to get him with the draft capital and a good landing spot. And then maybe he can justify being picked here. I, I don't feel there's a lot of outs if you draft Devon A. Shane. And I, looking historically back at just his profile, he feels like one of those guys you were betting on one path. Maybe we'll end up being wrong. I don't know. Uh, but I also don't blame you for just taking a shot on a guy you like here because it does feel like it's a spot. Unless you say, I really need to get Hendon Hooker, probably how many other running backs did you consider in this range? There's, a, there's many of them. All four of us could pick a different running back. And I think all four of us could end up being correct. So it's just, it's a tough spot to be in this year. I think once you get to these picks, we're not talking tight end premium at all either. So it's almost like I don't want to take a tight end either. But I can see people just saying, well, I'll take Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid because at least I have somebody I know fits in a certain spot in my lineup. So I think this is a tough spot to be. I can't blame you for taking the shot. Are you, are you just basing that on? the speed trait and then draft capital? Are you just kind of combining those two together and saying, no, 
that's the best combo of things I can take here. Yeah, it's it's speed receiving and draft capital. If, I think if he goes, if he's a day three guy, I'm out. But I think even round round three, I'd be, I'd be still, still, I'd be excited actually because he he will be going probably mid second in rookie drafts. But yeah, end of the first. It's it's funny actually looking back thinking 2023 mega class and we're struggling at the 112. Um, well, just just on that, can I ask Scott? Can I just ask you a quick quick question then? So. Like I just mentioned, when you get to this area, it's kind of, you, you don't really know. There's a lot of ways you could go. At what pick would you be willing to take a random 24 first? At what area in, in the first round, if at all, would you be willing to take a shot on a, a random 24 first? Man, I think we passed that a couple picks ago. I probably would yeah. consider the 108, 109, 110 yeah. range. And I've been trying to move out. So here's the thing. If you're in a league where it's a deeper lineup, there's heavy tight end premium, there's a point per carry component. Any of those things enhances the value of these picks because it feels like the reward of drafting just a starter matters more. But this format, I'm kind of looking at, I'm hitting a single or a double here to use baseball terms. I, I can take a shot at that with the 24 pick. It might be a triple or a home run. And I think even more so if you can use some of these tools. I don't know if you guys use any of the tools out there that measure like the strength of your roster and that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you can identify the right team, the team that maybe doesn't feel like they're completely tanking for next year, but they look like they're, you know, the seventh or eighth place team and they think they're a Devon H ain't away from winning. And <laughs> you're going, man, if you're a Devon H ain't away from winning, I'll bet against your team winning. So I'll take your 24 first. We're starting to see the Delta in, in draft years where doesn't it feel like the last couple of years, if you had that 103, 104, 105, it felt a lot more valuable than the 108, 109, 110, 111. And I think we always kind of knew that was true, but in this current running back market where a lot of the picks in these ranges tend to be running backs that have average draft capital, that mm -hmm. just does not feel like where I want to be picking year after year. So I'm willing to reroll a little more aggressively uh, than I would have in years past. I'm curious on Matt and Allie, who would your RB have been here? If you're taking specifically an RB, who would it have been? Oh, Matt's going to be. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm well, just curious if we have all Allie. different answers. I'll let Allie go first. Well, because, uh... <laughs> mine's going to be a boring answer because my RB4 is Devin, Devin A. Chain right now. So okay. he would be my, my next guy on, on my list to, to pick, but in the same tier as, as Tajay Spears. Okay. Yeah, well, we're, we're running a bit short on time, Scott, so we should, uh, <laughs> should probably be. Now, my RB3, and I know I might get a bit flat for this, is uh, Zach Evans. I think I'd take him. I think the, the talent, I'm willing to to bet on the talent, despite all the, the concerns and people throwing the red flags about on, on Zach Evans. I'm I'm willing to, to back the talent that I think he's got. It, it's hilarious because my, my best friend, Ray Garvin, has Zach Evans as absolutely terrible. Not even in the top 12. And then you have other people like Noah Hills and Matt Waldman. He's their RB2. So the middle is somewhere in between those. And wow. that the reason you would consider a guy like Zach Evans is because there are people that say he is. I, I was listening to the show with Matt Waldman and Noah. They said he is as good as Bijan. And he's right there in that tier. And I'm going, Wait, did I did I hear that correctly? <laughs> yeah, they have him above Jameer Gibbs. And I'm going, if there are people that are listening to them zach evans might be a guy you just draft if he's there in a couple leagues because you never know all it takes is one good replay or one good highlight and 
you'll be able to sell him for more than you pick. That's not the case with some others. I would say Roshan Johnson for me, but mm -hmm. I'm flipping a coin between a bunch of different players. So it's a tough spot. Indeed. So um, that brings us to the end of the rookie mock draft. We've done. We're going to come on to the fantasy wild card selection. So we're getting Scott to give us his fantasy wild card, the player that will improve his dynasty value the most in 2023. Scott, who we got? You asked me this question, and I wasn't super sure about who to put down because the answers that were already there, there was actually a couple that I thought could be good bets. <laughs> uh, I liked the Rashad Bateman pick only because he's where if you're just strictly going on who could gain value, he's either going to go to zero value or he's going to double in value. There really isn't an in-between. Uh, I chose Noah Fant, though, and I'll just use this. Obviously, it only matters in leagues where tight end premium matters. 1.75, 2.0 PPR or more. Otherwise, it's not really that inspiring to talk about how the tight end 22 is going to gain value, right? But I'll just look at both the value tracks for Evan Ingram in 2021 and Mike Gusecki in 2022. They have the profile. They are going to get multiple chances, including a decent contract somewhere. And that's what I'm betting on with Noah Fant. People are so focused on what he has been. Uh, wink, wink. He does have two top 12 tight end seasons. People don't really remember that at all, but he does. Uh, now, I think that was tight end nine and tight end 12. So nothing that really you thought you really smashed by having him, but he has been decent. And then they just look at what he is on Seattle, which he's just a guy, you know, he's a, he's a tight end too. He has a good profile, but he's cheap enough now to where, I mean, really are people are taking the Isaiah Likely's and uh, Chiggy Aconquos and anybody that was a rookie last year just is better than Noah Fant already. That's how it works. He's old. He's yesterday's news. We don't like him. If you were a rookie last year, you just have to get better and better and better, right? You hold on to Kate Otten for three more years. He'll he'll hit he'll hit George Kittle mark because that's how it works. And with reality, it doesn't work like that. So I think Noah Fant is risk prime to people will want him more next year than they do right now. For no, forget about what he even does. As long as he just maintains a starting NFL tight end this year, next year, offseason, there will be buzz that he's going to be worth more than he is now. So he was my pick for the wild card. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a, a cracking pick. We do love tight ends. We love fast, <laughs> athletic tight ends with round one draft capital as well. So it's a lot in his favor. I, I'm David Njoku's fanboy, so I can't. <laughs> Can't give this a knock at all. David Joke was my fantasy well. cat selection last season, coat. So um, yeah, I definitely get that process. Um, and he's as a as a tight end to going in the twenties. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot more upside than downside in his uh, in his profile. So yeah, great pick, Scott. And that brings us to the end of the show where we've completed a rookie mock pre the NFL draft this week. So before you go, Scott, please remind the audience where they can find you anything you'd like to plug well guys it was great being on the show again uh fun mock i think this is a class that uh we can probably learn something from going forward for dynasty is i think a lot of people last year talked about how the 23 picks were going to be super valuable and i i was one of those people guilty as charged i would say you know 23 picks are gold not to be fair i think they were gold for a long period of time so if you got them and you went through the season and you still held them and held them and held them. And then you thought, well, man, when I make these picks, they're going to all turn into gold and I'm going to be rich. <laughs> Not quite. 
But I think the idea of why to buy them on the excitement of what they could be uh, was correct because you could have sold them for very high prices at a point. So just remember that for classes going forward, be very specific as to which picks you bet against and bet for. If you can hit on the bad teams first, they're going to be gold. If you get stuck with the 110 next year, I'm pretty sure we're going to be sitting in the same spot going, eh, that's a gross pick to make. Mm -hmm. I'd try to kick that to the next year after that. So appreciate you guys having me on at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter. Um, all of my specific dynasty content is either on dynasty trades in five on YouTube every Tuesday night, eight 30 Eastern. We live stream. We go for an hour and a half to two hours, literally just talking dynasty trades, dynasty strategy, dynasty theory. Uh, and then I have two shows per week on destination Debbie. So my show called destination dynasty, uh, and then a show that I co-host called America's game. So if you like a lot of this type of dynasty discussion, you can find it on both of those shows uh, and then shout out to DLF. I do, uh, appear on DLF every once in a while and uh, write a couple articles when they tell me to. But uh, those are great guys. I'll always support them. Uh, glad they kind of let me stay around, even though I don't do much. Oh, you've been an, um, you've been an amazing guest. But we'll, we'll um, before I give you my final thoughts, we'll get the thoughts from my co-host, Matt and Ali. First, come to you, Matt. Yeah, it, it lived up to the bill that I was hoping for, to be honest. Like I said, I've not quite had the privilege of being on with Scott, and yeah, it's been a lot of fun. What more can you ask for? Doing a, a final rookie mock before the NFL draft and then having Scott on, giving us all his, his knowledge. Yeah, it's been great. We really appreciate you coming on again, Scott, as I say. It's, it's always good fun whenever I've had the opportunity to watch you when you've been on. It's been great. It's been great to be a part of it, and it's going to be great to have you on for the stream fan as well. So just thanks once again for coming on, and really appreciate it. Yeah, just want to say thanks. Thanks for coming on, Scott. You're an absolute legend. You'd be in our, our Hall of Fame if we were giving out gold jackets for the for guests for coming on. So, yeah, it's been a privilege to, to spend the, the afternoon with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying trying not to fanboy too much, but if this was the Scott Connor show, I'd be the, the guy on some shoulders with a top off swinging it round. Um, <laughs> just it's, it's always one of my favourite shows here. Um, I say this to all the guests, but you are my favourite guest we have on. <laughs> Um, just the knowledge, the, the selections, the process. I like the fact as well that you, you fire stuff back to us and it's it's a really inclusive show. We're, we're challenging each other's thought process. So um, I'm sure the audience will have got a lot from today's show as, as we have as well. So um, huge thank you for, for coming on and stream of fun, baby. It's not too long <laughs> until we're, we're up again. So yeah, thank you for that, Scott. And you're welcome back anytime. So yeah, thank you for tuning in. Before, be sure to follow us and subscribe on Twitter and, and YouTube at Fantasy Wildcard and Wildcard Dynasty. Join us for our show. It's usually every Wednesday, but we're going to drop this one a little bit earlier with it being draft week. So if you're listening before Wednesday, excellent stuff. Thank you once again. Have a good one, and we'll see you soon. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.